May all grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our epistle lesson today from Hebrews 4 serves as the focus for the sermon this morning. Hiru Onada was a Japanese citizen who at the age of 20 was called uh, into service in the Imperial Japanese Army. He would go on to fight during World War II, and he would fight World War II for 29 years after World War II ended. Perhaps you remember hearing the story when he was finally found. He joined the Army and was trained in guerrilla warfare and intel gathering and whatnot, and his superiors gave him simple orders. I'm sending you to the Philippines to Lubang Island. You're to go and, and enlist all the help you can enlist. You're to harass the enemy at all costs. You're to bomb the airfields and close down the harbor should the island become overrun. And it may take you three years, five years, or longer to see us again. But eventually we'll come back to you. So you're not to do anything. You're not to take your life by your own hand or anything else until we return. And so off to war he went. He got to Lubang Island and started enlisting help from all the Japanese, and they were going about their orders when shortly after he arrived, the Allied soldiers arrived and began to overtake him. All the officers that had promised to help Haru decided that they were going to not help him fulfill his orders and fled into the jungles. So the Japanese broke up into cells of three to four people each, and off they went. Slowly, the Allied forces overtook him until it was only Haru and his three other people that he had with him. But they succeeded. They succeeded for years of harassing people. Finally, one of them ended up deserting. One ended up in getting killed in a skirmish. And for 17 years, it was Onada and just one other person until the other person died, and it was just Onada himself. About four days after the war ended, the Filipinos went to the jungle's edge and yelled up, hey, the war's over. You can go home now. The war ended on August 15th, and yet Anada wouldn't hear it. They even dropped leaflets into the jungle, enlisting the help of a B-29 bomber with words from General Yamashita that the war had indeed actually ended. Surrender. And again, he wouldn't believe it. He, over time, saw all the Filipinos on the island dressed in civilian clothes, and again, Unada thought it was just some ruse by the Allied forces to get them to surrender. He had the staunch belief that Japan could never, ever lose. And so it went for 29 years, until the early 70s, when the Japanese sent a contingency to go find him. But, you know, after 29 years of hiding, he became a master at it. Nobody could find him. Then in 1974, a Japanese college student decided that he wanted to travel the world and take a break from uh, a rest from all of his studies. And on his bucket list was to find Onada. He arrived in the Philippines and shortly after arriving, succeeded where everybody else had failed. Discovered this little cave in the side of the mountain. Went and talked to him. And again, Onada would not surrender. So this Japanese college student returned to Japan and find Onada's, found Onada's original commanding officer working in a bookstore, told the officer what was going on, bought his plane ticket, and sent his commanding officer back to the island, whereupon he discovered Onada, described to him that the war had ended. And Onada said he felt like a fool. 
He felt like a fool that he had heard that the war was over for all these years, and yet he would not pay attention to the message. He could have been back home resting, but he didn't. He kept fighting. And it was only after he came out with his commanding officer and surrendered his sword to the president of the Philippines that he received pardon for his war crimes and returned and entered into rest. You know, this story reminds me that our spiritual conditions can be like that as well. We can hear this story, this good message of God, and fail to receive it, fail to benefit from it. Why? Because we can allow the world to make us restless. We cannot believe what God is wanting to say. You know, the war for our souls has already been won through the works of Christ on the cross. The promise of God still stands today. The promise of rest. The good news has come to us and often it goes unheard of and unbelieved. Think of the Israelites. The Israelites who had this promise of God. This promise of rest in a land called Canaan. This promise of escape from slavery and sin. With God leading them through the wilderness to this promised land. And yet, they had it right there and failed to benefit from it. And a whole generation of Israelites missed out on the promised land. And so today, I want to take a look at God's rest and just how important it is for us to find the proper rest in God and to continue to strive to enter into His rest. The author of Hebrews says in the opening verses of chapter 4, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Just like he does in chapter 3, where the author admonishes us to pay much closer attention to the message of God lest we drift away from it. So here, he's telling us that we must pay attention to this message of rest, to find rest in God, lest we don't benefit from it. Lest we fall into disobedience and miss out on his rest. So what exactly is the author of Hebrews talking about with rest today? Well, in these opening verses, rest is analogous to his rest is analogous to that land of Canaan, to the promised land that God gave the Israelites. Just as he promised the Israelites that they would have a rest from their enemies. And from all the troubles in the world, so God promises us that with heaven. That one day, we will have that future rest from this broken world, from the troubles that consume our lives here. But we know that we have that promise. We know that it's there. We talk about it all the time, this promise of a future rest, a rest that has been given to us in our baptisms and whatnot. But the author also talks about a rest here, today, in this journey in life. Not just a future rest, but a rest here today. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 9, and verses 13 and 15, and again in our readings today in verse 7 from chapter 4, all echo the same thing. Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Those verses were speaking to the restlessness of the Israelites in the, in the wilderness about they, how they had God's promise, how they heard His good message, and yet they failed to hear Him. They grumbled and griped about Him, and they failed then to enter the promised land. You know, 
unbelief will do that, won't it? Those verses speak to a restlessness that's in our lives. And it doesn't just pertain to the future rest. It pertains to a rest that God promises right now as He promises to be with us until the very end of time. How many of you have trouble sleeping at night? It's probably a loaded question, right? We all probably do to some extent. If you're like me, I can't sleep at night because I can't shut my brain off. I'm constantly worrying about the next day or things that happen in that day and whatnot. And that's the kind of spiritual restlessness that we all seem to have when we begin to worry because we're not giving it up to God. We're not going to Him, not striving for His rest that He offers to us. We're trying to control our own lives. Restlessness is something that causes us to stop striving for that future rest. Verses 9-10. to So then, there remains a Sabbath rest from the pe- for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also entered from His works as God did from His. Entered rest from His works as God did from His. God created in six days and then what happened? He rested on that seventh day. He's entered this rest. He's done with creation. He's given us this rest. His rest. You know? But here's the problem with mankind. We had His rest in the beginning, the perfection. We rested in it, and then we messed it all up. And for throughout human, humankind, all these ages, what's happened? Wars have raged. Hatred, oppression, violence have persisted. Empires have risen and fallen. Greed and lust and immorality have consumed, and people have worked themselves to the bone. And you know what? It's important to rest from our physical labors. That, that is. We need vacations. But we also need to pay attention to our spiritual selves. We need a rest from this world. And as crazy as, may, as this may sound, we need to strive for it. Because it's a challenge. It's a challenge to give up being in charge of our own lives, isn't it? To give it up to God? To let Him be in control of things? It's a challenge to resist the temptations of this world. It's a challenge to put down our cell phones and our social media and the TV sets and everything else that wants to consume our time. And if we don't strive for His rest, then our hearts become hardened and we fall into disobedience and unfaithfulness and become restless. So what does that look like then? If God is saying that we should rest, if there's a if the standing promise of His rest is in the future, but we have rest along this journey, how do we strive to enter into His rest today? What does His rest look like for us? Well, rest assured, as my grandmother used to say, that God did promise to be with us every step of this journey. That God calls us into His rest in this life by spending time with Him by being in His Word, by being in worship. He didn't just give us a rest from from this world and a future promise of rest in our baptisms. He said, I will be with you to the very end. When He commissioned the 28, sent them out. Or the 72, rather, sorry. And He commissioned His disciples, the 12, and sent them out. You know, I mean, this is, this is what we need to do. It means that we have to prioritize things in our lives. And you know what that means when we prioritize and make time for God? That means we have to give things up. 
It means we have to make hard decisions. And every one of us is guilty of it. I can tell you that 10 months ago, my life was a mess. My wife can attest to it. Probably still is to some degree today, but I'm a lot better today than I was 10 months ago. I was lost. I didn't know where I was going. I was tired of turning on the news and seeing all this, this stuff going on. I was tired of, of just being overworked and everything else. And you know what? It was my own fault. Why? Because I didn't prioritize God. I failed to make time with God. And it wasn't until I got involved in that Roots and Fruits experience that things began to change because I had to have a hard conversations with myself. I had to be in God's Word and let His Word call out to me and convict me and say, hey, you're not finding rest in me. And I can tell you, after that 10 weeks, I, then I got involved as a leader in it. And 10 more weeks went by. And I'm happy to say that today, that God is a part of my life every single day. It's a routine in my life now. It's built in. I'm a lot happier these days. The challenges are still there. But I have the strength and the peace in God because of spending time with Him and finding rest in Him to deal with those things. And you know what? As busy as I thought I was, when I got involved with Live UCF, I can't hold a candle to those college students. And I'm not saying that jokingly. I mean, I'm really impressed with, this, with the schedules that they juggle. I got the president of Live UCF, who's a student athlete, works a full-time job, leads Live UCF, and has a full slate of school and is involved in other campus organizations. I got several of our college uh, kids here today who work multiple jobs, have a full slate of school. And while that's impressive for all the things that they juggle, here's what's more impressive. Then on Wednesday nights, they come to worship. They like being in worship on Wednesday nights. In fact, the very first Wednesday night that I was there with them, one of them came up to me and said, you know, Pastor, you know how nice it is that I can get a break and a rest from my studies and from my work and everything else to be here to worship and fellowship and be in God's Word? And then not only that, they come back on Thursdays. They take time out of their day when they can. They come back on Thursdays for a Bible study. And then on Sundays, what's even more impressive is they get up and they go out to other area churches to worship. And I'm thinking, they can prioritize God amidst their busyness. Why can't I? Why can't we all? So what does that look like? I'm challenging all of us. How are we going to prioritize God in our daily lives? How are we going to strive to find rest in Him? Because God, rest assured, is waiting for us to give us His rest. He has given us that standing promise of a future rest, but He's also waiting for us to turn to Him today. To rest in Him. To rest in His Word and in sacraments and in worship. To get a break from us all. Because guess what? If we can't find a rest in Him and we're, and we're restless, we're less apt to go out and be strengthened to carry out our Christian calling of taking that rest, His good message, into the world so others can have that rest and hope that we have. The recognition of where true rest lies is important for our lives. And I pray that we would continue to strive to enter it. Take heart, my friends. Take heart. And rest assured that God's promise of rest 
still stands today. May we all strive to enter it. And to God be all the glory. Amen.